Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast has been brought to you by France and Bank and Trust. Hello again. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jim Paulson with David LeVay, Star Tribune High School Sports Reporters. We're going to another edition of um, Talking Preps, and we've got some some preps to talk about. Some uh, Is there a, a, a few highly regarded teams whose seasons are on a hiatus, uh, again, proving that uh, even though we're everyone's got COVID fatigue right now, it's still out there. We've got some other things that have gone on the past week. Uh, I wrote a story about um, one of the best high school guards in the state in Trey Holloman. Uh, so if you want to talk about that, Dave, how you doing? Things are good. Uh, things are good. It was a kind of a newsy week last week with Creighton Durham Hall football announcing they were only going to play 5A, not 6A. Uh, Brex girls hockey coach stepping down immediately. And then the uh, wrestling tournament getting home at St. Michael Albertville. And then we closed out the week with Hill Murray girls hockey having to suspend a chunk of their season here down the stretch because of COVID-19 concerns. So it was last week was very newsy and so there's a lot to a lot of ground to cover that, that since the last podcast, actually. You know, the Creighton Durham Hall moving from 6A to 5A football that has a few questions for me. Um, first of all, first of all, it gets a lot of heat from people and private schools have generate some pretty strong feelings with a lot of people out there who believe that whether it's right or wrong, that they have some advantages that other schools don't. And uh, um what is your thoughts on Creighton moving, moving down a class? Obviously, they play, I think that would actually be one of the lowest enrollments in 5A or one of the highest in 4A, if I'm not mistaken. And I could be, because um, I think there are less than 1,000 kids, but they played up at 6A. And we've always given a, lots of kudos to Tino Grace for doing the same thing. Do you think that Creighton can be the victims of their own um, choices to to play high, move, move uh, move up and play at a higher level when they try to come back down and play at a level more commensurate with their enrollment. Do you think that it's fair that they get uh, people take shots at them or not? Um, well, people feel strongly about, you know, your typical public school, you're, you're more or less at the mercy of people in your community and you're going to have waves of sometimes great success for a number of years, and then you're going to have lean years and, the frustration for people that, that have taken their shots is a private school is much more selective in, in its enrollment. Um, a lot of times you're, you're getting a better, um, you have a better opportunity for a better class of athlete coming in. And so the feeling is even if your numbers aren't comparable, the, the numbers within football or a given sport, you know, should be looked at differently than the overall student population. So that's some of the frustration that's out there. I, I took a, a little bit of a longer view, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. Private schools are polarizing, certainly. Creighton Durham Hall is no exception. But I think that when you have a marquee program in Minnesota high school football, very recognizable program with a, a national uh, footprint, when you think about uh, more recently, Jay Sean Cornell was the number one recruit in the nation at, at one point during his career at Creighton Durham Hall. And, of course, the great Joe Maurer, quarterback back in the late 90s. Michael Floyd. Yeah, Michael Floyd's another one. Yeah, thank you. I mean, gosh, you could, they had a truckload of them, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you go to a point where they're saying, we don't think our enrollment 
and, and in turn our competitive level supports being in the mix of, of competitive 6A schools. I think that's that doesn't speak well to the health of Minnesota football at large. I, I do think it's a blow when one of your marquee programs says we can't do this right now. You know, I, I see what you're saying. You're absolutely right. It makes you wonder if um, the top level of uh, competition in high school football has gotten to the point where it's it's so whittled down to, I'd say, 10 or 12 or 14 top programs that even others at the highest level of uh, high school football are looking at it and feeling that competing is a little bit more difficult. I mean, you've got some real powerful programs at the top, kind of the what do you call it? The uh, usual suspects, I would say. And uh, others, you know, like Coon Rapids opted down a few years ago, and that's why there's only 31 instead of 32 teams in Class uh, 6A. And it really has been a boost for their program. I mean, they hadn't done much winning at all until they got into 5A, and then they had a couple of real successful years. And, and it's hard to argue that. You know, football, more than any other sport, is a numbers game, and you need numbers to compete at every level and the reason being it's a lot about depth and about one-way players and the more two-way players you have particularly if they're not elite athletes uh, the more difficult a time you're going to have that's why football needs to have so many classes but um, yeah I, I, it, the the health of football in this state you know I, I guess you could you could read it that way um, or I just think that maybe um, when you have a school like Creighton Durham Hall and a private school which needs to put out a market itself in order to attract players um, that when you're not, you're having lean years and year after year of lean years, and they had after the, going to the state tournament, state semifinals, I think it was 2017, they had been pretty much a 500 or below program that uh, that front doorstep is going to be a lot less full of people knocking on your door if you're losing. And then if you're winning, um, even if it's at a lesser level, that looks better for the program. So uh, it's hard for me to say whether or not it's it's indicative of football in general or just maybe uh, how people look at what football means to your school and particularly in the private schools. So I offered up, that's that's my cloud that I offered up. Now I'd, now I'd like to offer up the silver lining. Uh, you and I have talked about this and I feel like every, I don't know, every second or third year or so, we talk about the intrigue that exists in the class 5A state tournament, which is, is surpasses a lot of times a 6A. Um, as you mentioned, 6A, it whittles down to a few programs and then mm -hmm. it's also Metro only. <laughs> 5A, you have the opportunity for uh, more of a state presence and there's more things to get excited about. We can talk about Oatana in recent years, Moorhead this year. How fun would that have been? That could have yeah, happened. absolutely. Um, and then you see, you know, so then you got St. Thomas, you got Chaska. You've got uh, a real, uh, you know, you can say with a straight face that six of these eight teams got a chance to win. Um, so there's always been more intrigue. So now you throw Crete and Darren Hall into that mix, and it only adds to, the, I think, the greater intrigue that, that existed in 5A. Yeah, you know what I was talking about? You had mentioned St. Thomas Academy. One thing I know that the, all the Cretan people are excited about is it's going to give them the opportunity to, to revive that Crete and Durham Hall-St. Thomas Academy rivalry, which has been dormant for a few years in Class 6A. And everybody in Creighton has talked about it. I don't know that uh, that is something that they're all looking forward to the, the revive that St. Thomas Academy Creighton rivalry. Uh, that'll be a good game. That'll be a must-see game if the, if and when they can get that going. I know they're already working on 
scheduling that at this point. So uh, there's a, another silver line there. That's one more good game to see during the year. But uh, it'll be an interesting, buy, uh, you know, marquee line. It's it's St. Thomas Academy mm-hmm. against Creighton Durham Hall at the University of St. Thomas. <laughs> very <Yeah>. very confusing. <laughs> if they're are they still playing there? Because um, wasn't didn't Creighton move their games this year to uh, Northwestern of Roseville, if I'm not mistaken? Okay, well. Because we don't know for sure speaks to the irrelevance that, that has, has, has been around Creed Durham Hall the last few years. So, yeah. will be. you know, after that, after that, uh, after that announcement was made, one uh, class 5A football coach, who I will not name here, sent me a text right away. I said, how good is Creighton going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, they'll, they'll have some talent. You know, they've got a couple, one kid who is, who we, we can talk about here soon. I was recently named the top Minnesota football recruit in the class of 2022, but you know, their depth hasn't been good. Their uh, um, defense hasn't been strong. And there is a reason why Creighton decided to move down because it, it just wasn't sustainable like it had been. Um, and that could largely be maybe fewer people are looking to enroll, maybe enrollment and, and private school costs are rising. I couldn't tell you why they wanted to move down, but it was less sustainable the success they had than, and uh, than it was a few years ago, and that just leaves the Tino Grace is the only private school in Class Six A. Am I right, or am I wrong? I think I'm right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's and they have no desire to move down. It sounds like so. No, in fact, they posted on Twitter, "We are committed to Six A," and I almost felt like that was a, you know, take that, Creighton Durham Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they weren't trying to head off any. Suspicion? Any any queries? No, no. Maybe no. that. Maybe that too. Maybe that. Too. So, <laughs> um, now speaking of Creighton Durham Hall, I did a story on Trey Holloman, their superb point guard, junior, um, and he's I think the number two ranked or number one ranked in Minnesota. It all depends on which uh, recruiting service you look at. Uh, point guard in the state of Minnesota and has been good for a while. He's also the number one ranked high school football recruit for the class of 2022 as a defensive back. Um, Now, most people think that he's going to end up playing uh, college basketball, kind of do the same sort of thing that Jalen Suggs did, where he talks about how much he loves football and he doesn't want to give up football. He talked about, he told his mom when he was younger that he was going to play basketball at one college and football at another. And she had to rein him in and say, well, it doesn't quite work that way, but uh, but he's still he's still getting recruited for football, and he's not going to make a decision, even give any inkling what choice he's going to go, which way he's going to go, basketball or football at this point. Although most in the know tend to think that basketball is the way he's going to lean. Um, but my goodness, he is a, a, a tremendous talent. He's six one. He slashes. He's quick. He can, uh, and he's he's an unselfish player by so many regards. He he wants to get his team involved. He wants to make his, his team happy. And even though he's clearly the best player on on this, on this basketball team, head and shoulders above everybody else, you watch him play, and it's all a team game. And he takes over when he has to. And the kid is that talented. You need to once in a while. Um, but uh, he's he's just an awful lot of fun to watch. Um, and uh, you know, and and his parents really raised him right. One thing that stood out, I asked him, "What do you want to be better at?" You know, and and he said, without hesitation, he said. I want to be a, a better teammate. I want to be a better classmate. You know, when I get older, I want to be a better boyfriend, a better husband, a better father. He never once said, I want to, you know, improve my jump shot or 
you know, my crossover dribble, I got to work harder on my switching on defense. You know, he was about what he was as a person and what he aspired to be. You don't hear that from high school kids very often. You know, you, you know, you parents push that. You'd love to hear that more. But the fact that it came out right away and didn't talk about what he wants to be on the court. It's what he wants to be as a, as a human being. That really, really stood out to me. I was, it, it impressed me more than anything else he told me. Yeah, he sounds like a young man you can root for. Yeah, absolutely. Always smiling, always patting people on the back. You know, he's the game I saw. He had some teammates make some mistakes, drop some passes, not not hustle after a ball, you know, not have quite the athleticism and anticipation of the basketball IQ that he does. There was never a, never a hung head, never hands on his, his hips. There's always high fives and back slaps and everything when they, particularly when they did something to go over and, and pump his teammates up. So it was definitely not just uh, words, but he says he follows up his, what he says with action. And, and again, another a kid that you may or may not have your opinions on private schools, but it's hard not to root for uh, Trey Holloman, that's for sure. Two stories we had this week, by the way, of, uh, of kids in high school basketball that are doing things that kind of make you root for them. Chip Scoggins, our wonderful columnist, wonderful Chip Scoggins. Um, what about Will Shetter, the um, 6'9 kid from Stewartville, um, who was up in, in the state, uh, up in the metro a few weeks ago to play Minnehaha Academy. He's a, a recruit for uh, University of Michigan. Now he's not on social media. Uh, he's not out playing video games or whatever. He's he's doing chores on the farm. Um, he's a, uh, he's kind of an old school throwback kind of a kid. What you expect? Although his basketball talent is definitely not old school. He can step outside, hit the jump shot. He can go around you if he has to at the facing of the basket. So he's he's a modern day six foot nine talent with uh, you know an old school attitude. And it's fun to read about kids that are kind of defying what has become a stereotype of the high school entitled high school athlete. And that here are kids that are really showing that's not always the case. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, we hear the expression when your best kids, are your hardest workers, you got something. And yeah, I think the same is true when your best kids are also really good kids, you've got something. And I think these are two shining examples of that. David, you reported last week on the, uh on the Hill Murray girls hockey, shutting it down. Yeah. What can what can you tell me about that situation? And uh, is there more going on in the uh, high school world now that uh, we're getting to the end of the season? Or well, the Hill Murray situation came about because I was tipped off to a letter that the Hill Murray administration had sent to parents that said, not only are we canceling these games, but they really took to task the three players who were experienced were found out later to be experiencing symptoms but didn't bother to share that with anybody and kept coming around and playing in games and participating in practices once hill murray found out that uh once the kids reported a positive test hill murray shut everything down and then and then they found out hey by the way we've been experiencing symptoms that are going back to about almost a week earlier. And, and so now you've got other teams that you have to, to look out for, particularly the North St. Paul Tartan team and as well as Breck. Those are two teams that Hill Murray played. And these girls were said they were experiencing symptoms. So they they shut the, the Hill Murray shut it down and then for a couple of weeks. And then they also said those girls uh, will all receive an additional game suspension. And um, 
really, you know, really a strong message by the administration that we're not messing around here and no, neither should you. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a, a good message because one thing we saw in the fall, particularly with football, is the wheels kind of fell off. And by the end, you know, we section tournaments was as far as they could go. And, and by the end, I think there was a couple of cases where, all right, you're the two teams left standing. You're the second, you're playing for the section title, you know, because the other four or five or six, you know, had to bow out. So, you know, you don't want that to happen in the winter, particularly when you can have the ability to advance to a state tournament. And I think uh, Hill Murray's situation should be something that all coaches talk to their kids about, say, hey, we cannot afford to do this. So we have to stay. And I know it's tough because we're all sick of COVID. Uh, the weather's getting nicer. Um, you know, in, in high school kids generally, you know, sometimes they, you can talk to them. They don't remember really much past the yesterday's lunch hour. So it's tough to, to keep them, to keep that intensity and keep that dedication to the cause. Um, but it, it needs to happen because, you know, you, you, now you saw what happened with Hill Murray. Um, we don't have, uh, I'll switch gears to, to Chaska girls basketball. We don't know exactly what the situation is of the whys and the wherefores, but what we do know is if you go to the Minnesota girls basketball Hub website, Chaska's last six regular season games are listed as canceled. Now it could be something else other than COVID, but you know, I'll put my money on, <laughs> on COVID, but anyway, um, so you hope they got it figured out and you hope that they can come back and have some kind of playoff. Um, that's a very good team too. That's a top yeah. five team in the state. Yeah, yeah. They've and got an over recruit yeah. in Mallory Higher. They've got a guard, Kaylee Von Epps. That's a team that yeah. was poised to maybe do something here too. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that their their postseason uh, plans are done. They're no. just done for the you know, as far as we're aware. They're just done for the regular season. But we've got emails out. We're trying to gather information from Chaska, so we'll see what we find out. But uh, but yeah, it's it's. You know, let's let's put a stop to this and let's keep these players and teams eligible and let's finish this season out the right way. Well, you, the, what you talked about, there's two points. Number one is the Hill Murray thing is kind of the, the worst case situation that had been talked about a lot uh, when we went back in a return to play. And that is with testing guidelines and people having to be self-monitoring and self-policing that would that there was going to be a possibility. It opened up the possibility of people not being 100% honest with what's going on for fear of losing their season, losing their playing time, you know, losing uh, out on the chance to do what they love. And there was a lot of talk about a lot of rumors, a lot of going around that some parents weren't reporting things that they should be in order to keep their kids from having to sit out or be, you know, um, socially distanced or self um, leased. I, we hadn't heard of any that I knew. I hadn't heard of any actual situations where that happened, but the rumors were out there. And to know that at Hill Murray, some kids didn't report what they knew was exactly what I think people were were, were worried about. That was, uh, and luckily it's only happened to this one team. And I'm not going to blame kids because choices are made. They are kids, and it's hard to give up something that you've been doing all your life, particularly when you're a team of quality of Hill Murray. I think they were a top five team. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. That people were trying to be very diligent about very concerned could happen. And, and it looked like it did. Um, well, I'll double down on the idea that we don't know the motives of the kids or the parents in these, in this situation. I, I have to, my faith in humanity, I have to believe that what simply happened is, you know, you're talking about a virus that, uh, you know, 
what if you have congestion? What if you have a, what could it be a head cold? Could it be something completely uh, not in the COVID realm? Maybe that was the thought. Like, well, I don't know. You know, this, this, I, I have, you know, maybe I have my taste of sense and smell and, 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 and my, sorry, my sense of taste and smell, but maybe I got a runny nose. Who knows? Maybe they thought that they didn't reach the threshold. I don't know. I, I, I hope that it was just an innocent mistake. I don't, I hope it wasn't nefarious or, or calculated. Uh, but we, we don't know that, but, but my hope is that it was just something that, you know, but again, a good lesson, a good lesson, overdo it, you know, Hey, report that runny nose, report that. Yep. Whatever. I mean, don't, don't keep that because not only could you be affecting your team, but they had to send 20 kids home that from school because Hill Mary's in school. And, and so 20 classmates had nothing to do with hockey all of a sudden can't go to school. And then North St. Paul Tartans, uh, you know, has to uh, shut down and lose five of their games. So, you know, be diligent, report it and, and get it out there because we need, we need to know this stuff. You know, and that was the message that you heard from a lot of coaches at the start of the season, back in early January, that don't take any chances. Don't, we don't want this to happen to our team. We don't want to lose that. We just got the chance to come back and play. We had to sit out for an extra month. Now we've got that. Don't be diligent, you know, be uh, uh, aware and be smart. And um, I'm not saying nobody at, at Hillmore was smart. Again, I, I agree with you. I don't want to make sure that we're that we're not casting negative aspersions anywhere. But um, I think it's a good lesson, and and then uh, kids and and coaches need to make their teams aware that hey, we're we're getting into the home stretch here. We got state tournaments already starting in uh, or section tournaments starting in uh, skiing, and the state tournaments are right down the road here. You don't want to take it. You don't want to you know cost your team an opportunity. Uh, simply because you were careless or um, weren't doing what you expected to do with the, the end is in sight. Now, you know, don't, don't let up now. And I think that that's something that most coaches need to take to heart and maybe sit down and talk to their teams about it. So uh, reiterate to reason to stress that a little bit more. Amen. All right. Well, one more thing to talk about on Saturday, I'm going to be heading to Becker to see a girls basketball game, Hopkins and Becker. Um, Hopkins has a 73-game winning streak right now. Hasn't lost since 2018. Becker, now, I thought their winning streak was 36. I went and looked it up. I've seen people say 30 and 31 for Becker. Um, I thought it was uh, 36, but I still, I'm still going to stick with my numbers. Uh, but number one team in Class 3A, Becker, fun team, presses a lot, scores a lot of points. Uh, a group of seniors that you see that every now in high school sports where a group of players come together and they just – elevate that program for the time that they're there and there's eight seniors who can all score and all run they're all great athletes and they play such great team ball uh, on the other hand you've got hopkins with their litany of uh, division one recruits and top players in the, in the nation as well as in the state uh, both with the riding long winning streaks um, and they press as well there should be an awful lot of up and down basketball uh, Saturday at uh, at Becker High School. Luckily, I'm going to be allowed to be in there to watch the game, and we've got a photographer going there too. So read the Star Tribune uh, and find out what happened there. It should be as fun a girls' basketball game as you'll see because um, this isn't a slow-down uh, type of ball position game. They're going to be up and down. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be big plays. There's going to be steals, and there's going to be a lot of points. Um, and some team is going to have a long winning streak uh, ended on Saturday. I'm going to have to wait and see how that is. Well, on close circuit to the refs, we're not there to see you. 
All right, let them play. Let's, let's <laughs> let them play. Let's, let's see what these great teams can do. It's going to be fast. Oh, I'm, I'm all over that. I'm with you. It's, a, it's a contact sport. This isn't ping pong. Let them play. I don't know if benefits from that. It sounds like both would. They both play a pretty aggressive style, but by God, I, I did not come to watch the Zebras, so let's play. You know, and the funny thing is, is, is uh, they play a week later. Dunn Hopkins. Um, oh, sorry, right. Okay. There's a chance, there's a chance for uh, a little uh, retribution, to a little revenge on uh, a one one week later. So, if, you know, Becker wins and Hopkins will be uh, out for uh, out for blood or the advice, uh, other way around. So, it, uh, it's a nice a nice pairing that uh, the number one team in girls in class 4A, the number one team in girls in class 3A. Uh, I like it, and uh, it'll be fun. Bring it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week.